three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 449. Welcome in. Uh, Today's a fun show. It's predictions versus reality. Uh, We'll do Ask Zach, and then we will end with a weekend preview. I actually recorded that earlier. I wore the same shirt, tried to, like, have some kind of continuity, but there will be a weird cut where I'm like, all right, we're going to go to the weekend preview, and it's going to be, like, awkward, like, transition, and you'll see me just go bloop, and then suddenly you'll hear me talk about the Bengals and, gosh, the Titans and whatever's going to happen this weekend. It's going to be an awesome weekend of football. I cannot wait. Let's jump into topic number one today. I predicted that the Carolina Panthers would go 7-10 and 10 this past year, and I was really, really hopeful about the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers traded a second-round pick for quarterback Sam Darnold. He had been, I, I think I said, humbled to oblivion by the New York Jets previously, and I thought going to Carolina was the restart to his career that he needed. And I really believed that pairing him with Jill Brady the young upstart offensive coordinator, the guy who I thought should deserve credit for making Joe Burrow into a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at LSU. I thought Joe Brady and Sam Darnold together would be awesome, and Sam would prove himself to be a franchise quarterback in Carolina. I literally said, my prediction is that at the end of the year, everyone will feel confident in him and happy they have Sam on their football team. Do you feel that way? Do you feel glad that Sam Darnold's a Carolina Panther? Do you feel confident in him? Because I do not. And uh, to me, 7-10 was going to be an average year, but I always felt like, hey, it'll be an average year. But the silver lining will be, hey, Carolina found their quarterback and they're building something. (sighs) I was so hopeful. I was so full of belief in what Carolina was doing. And uh, none of that happened. It was a painful Painful year for the Carolina Panthers. Here is the reality of the 2021 Carolina Panthers. I walked into the year hopeful and a a big believer. I loved what they were doing. I loved the direction that the organization was headed in. And uh, Sam Darnold did not play great. He played bad. He got hurt. Uh, Joe Brady, the genius young offensive coordinator, he got fired. Boom, he's gone. And I have no idea what the future holds in Carolina. I don't. Uh, I feel tons of doubt. They went, you know, the reality is they went 5-12, and 12, which is only two games worse than my prediction. But 7-10, and 10, and sure, you have a franchise quarterback, and 5-12 and 12 with whatever just happened in Carolina last year. That's vastly different. I got this one totally wrong. Like, and it's, you know, I don't really, it's not about the win-loss record really to me as much as it is did I get the theme of the year right do I have the feelings right and I I got it totally wrong man I look I still hope that Matt Rule you know the Panthers head coach can turn things around but I've got no faith in the guy you know I I want him to do well but I don't believe in him in fact they just fired you know they, they fired their offensive coordinator Jill Brady they brought in Ben McAdoo to be their new offensive coordinator. Anybody know who Ben McAdoo is? Ben McAdoo used to be the New York Giants head coach. He was awful. Now, let's be clear. You can be a good coordinator and a bad head coach. Maybe 
hey, it's Peter Principal and Ben McAdoo is a guy who is just is not really someone who should ever be a head coach, but maybe he is a good coordinator. Still, Ben McAdoo, man. Like, the word that comes to mind when I think of Ben McAdoo is goofy. Like, the dude is goofy. If you ever want a good laugh, Google Ben McAdoo haircut. And uh, I can't – I just – I'm like, this guy's back? I, I'm shocked. Now, a common theme for the 2021 Carolina Panthers was giving people a ton of hope and then, bam, just crushing it, giving like a glimmer. Hey, you traded for Sam Darnold. Maybe Sam Darnold will be your franchise quarterback. Nope. Hey, believe it or not, the Carolina Panthers actually started 3-0 and last year. And their fan base got all excited. I remember, and now I, I hope my memory is correct. I didn't look back at what I said in my videos, but I... I would imagine, I remember being skeptical, and I hope that's how I really was. I remember being cautious, and like, oh, let's see, 3-0, and but they're bad teams. I, I think that's what I said. I don't think I was all aboard the bandwagon. If I was wrong, let me know. But I, you know, I don't think I have the courage to look back because the reality is I, I want to believe that I didn't buy into the hype of the 3-0 and Carolina Panthers. But I remember some Carolina Panthers fans that were like, Super Bowl, baby, let's go. And I was like, guys, uh, the reality is they beat the Jets, the Saints, and Houston. And then they lost four in a row. They went from 3-0 and to 3-4. and And, uh, you know, there's a game where Sam Darnold and Carolina lost in overtime to Minnesota. Sam was 17 for 41 passing, one touchdown, one interception. You can't lose a game 34-28 to in overtime. Where your quarterback has like a, what is that, like a 48% completion rate? Something like that. Like something just awful, awful. 17 for 41 passing. You only lose by seven points to the Minnesota Vikings. Then you realize, oh, we have a quarterback problem. Now, probably the highlight of the year was week 10, where, you know, Sam Darnold was hurt. And the Panthers made this wacky move. You know, when Matt Rule first got hired, one of the first things he did was, um, you know, um, Luke Keekley left and, you know, he retired. Greg Olson didn't come back and they said, Hey, Cam, we're going to let you go. Hey, Cam Newton, our franchise quarterback, long time in Carolina. Matt Rule decided to not work with Cam and let him go. And I thought at the time that was the right thing because Carolina wanted to rebuild and Cam was better off not rebuilding. But then this year, Matt Rule and the Panthers made this weird decision to, Hey, you know what? We're bored, and our quarterback situation isn't going well. Screw it. Let's bring back Cam Newton. And it was, like, briefly very fun. Again, this year was all about giving you brief moments of hope if you were rooting for Carolina. The Week 10, Carolina beat Arizona 34-10. to And Cam Newton made his first appearance back in Carolina. And Cam is back, baby. And remember, Arizona at the time was 8-1. and They were a playoff team. And Cam Newton did not start the game, but he did have two touchdowns coming off the bench, and it was a glimmer of hope. It was like, oh, oh, hey, maybe maybe Carolina with Cam. Carolina Cam is going to make things work, and it'll be great. And then all that hope that built up in Carolina ripped up again, and you're like, oh, because what happened after that was, you know, by week 12, Cam was the starting quarterback. He started against Miami. He was 5 for 21 passing, 92 92 yards, and two interceptions. 
And he got benched in the second half for P.J. Walker. It was a weird, weird, ugly year. And uh, nothing is certain in Carolina. They do have to pay Sam Darnold $18 million next year. They made this bad gamble where they picked up his contract early, and they bet on the fact they would be able to make it work, and now their coordinator's gone, and they're stuck with Sam and paying him a lot of money for a quarterback who's not very good or probably going to be a backup. Now, you could also argue that Sam was, again, he arguably he was the best quarterback in Carolina last year. They were 1-4 without him. Uh, you know, Sam, between Sam, Cam, and P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold had the best completion percentage. And uh, the problem is every quarterback in Carolina was bad last year. Uh, you know, Sam Darnold was, you know, he threw nine touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Cam Newton had four touchdown passes and five interceptions. And P.J. Walker had one touchdown pass and three interceptions. Every single quarterback in Carolina through more interceptions than touchdown passes. I mean, that's why Joe Brady no longer has a job as an offensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, now, Cam and Sam, I love saying that. That's like my favorite thing about this. Cam and Sam, uh, they both did run for five touchdowns, so they did score more, I think. Uh, but it's like, oh my gosh, it was all around a bad year. Like, even their first-round pick uh, corner, J.C. Horn, had a good start to the year, then he broke his foot out for the year. Uh, I remember being very excited to watch Dan Arnold, their tight end, a receiving tight end, do well in Carolina. And uh, then they traded him to Jacksonville for C.J. Henderson. Uh, C.J. Henderson is another young corner. He was the number nine overall pick in 2020. It really remains to be seen whether or not C.J. Henderson will pan out in Carolina. He was not an immediate home run, but he is talented. We'll see. I'm, I'm excited to see if he can make a splash next year, become a starter and be worthy of a you know number nine overall pick a couple years later. Um, look, 2021 was the year that I lost all my faith in the Carolina Panthers rebuild. And I still want it to work. I still am rooting for the Panthers. I want Matt Rule, the head coach, to be successful and turn things around. He turned around Temple. He turned around Baylor. But it's proving pretty clear that turning around an NFL team is a lot different than turning around a college program. And... Uh, my gosh, 2021 was a disaster of a year for Carolina. And I want good things for them, but I have a hard time believing good things are coming for the Panthers. And uh, you know who's happy, though, by the way? Guess who's happy that Panthers, you know, the Carolina Panthers are terrible. Tom Brady loves it. Uh, Tom Brady gets to play crappy Carolina two times a year and dominate them just like he dominated Sam Darnold and the Jets back in the AFC East. So right now, yes, Carolina is the new Jets. So, hey, Panthers fans, take solace in that. At least somebody's glad you're terrible. It's helping Tom Brady win and make more playoff appearances. And Gosh, man, I, you know, my dreams were definitely crushed uh, by the Carolina Panthers this year. I thought, I thought this was the year. They're turning things around. I love what they're doing. And wow, wow, wow. It's crash and burn. Just If you're a Panthers fan, write in and let me know how you feel. But I, it's hard for me to feel a lot of excitement and hope for the Panthers moving forward. And uh, let me know how you feel if you're a Panthers fan because I'm curious. I was, I, was like almost on, I was almost a Panthers fan. Like I was like, yeah, let's do it. I'm on the bandwagon. No. It, uh, oh, what a painful year. Let's shift gears to Seattle. 
So I predicted that I can't even talk. Blah, 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 blah. I predicted that the Seattle Seahawks would go six and eleven in twenty twenty one and finish last in the NFC. West. Now, obviously, I was totally wrong because they didn't go six and eleven. No, they went seven and ten. And oh, oh, and they did finish last in the NFC West. Oh, yeah. I got it wrong by one game, but my gosh, I want to give myself a massive pat on the back. I predicted Seattle would go six and eleven, have a bad year, would not be a Super Bowl contender, and uh Oh, my goodness. I got so much hate and anger and vitriol. I was alone on an island, and I had Seahawks fans literally yelling at me, We're going to win a Super Bowl! How dare you! I want to be careful here. Um, I don't want to be mean. That's not what's in my heart. I really, despite, um, so I don't understand all the anger. I... I said something people didn't agree with. They were mad that I predicted their team to have a bad year. And it's okay to believe in your team, but I don't understand attacking me. Like, you can believe in your team without attacking me. I never understood the Seattle Seahawks fans' reaction to my prediction. Um, it didn't attack you as a person. I, I said that your football team is going to have a bad year. It's very weird to me. And here's what I said. I, I said this was probably the worst roster ever put around Russell Wilson. I stand by that. Uh, having a Hall of Fame quarterback is not enough to win in the NFL. In 2018, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay went 6-9-1. and one. You can't just have a quarterback and a couple good players and expect to win and be a playoff team. You need more than a quarterback. And you know the game I got wrong, really? Like, the only game, the reason why I had them at 6-11 and 11 instead of 7-10 and 10 is I thought that the Colts were going to beat Seattle week one. And yeah, look, I had some help. Six and eleven didn't get there without, you know. Hey, Russell Wilson got hurt. He missed three games. So he had a, a hurt finger on his throwing hand. Sure, that definitely helped out, right? And they went one and two without him. They beat Pittsburgh and New Orleans. Sorry, they lost to Pittsburgh and New Orleans, and they beat Jacksonville without Russell Wilson. They it was like thirty-one to seven, something like that, with Geno Smith at quarterback. So, um, to me, I think even with the injury, which a lot of people are like, you were only right because of the injury. And that's, hey, you can believe whatever you want. Um, in my opinion, I was 1,000% right about Seattle because the point in predicting them going 6-11 and was that this is not a good football team. They weren't going to make the playoffs. They were going to have a bad year. The overall theme of the year nailed it. Totally right. Seattle's a lot closer to the Jets or Atlanta than they are to Kansas City or Green Bay. They've got like five good players in Seattle. They've got Russell Wilson. They've got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Bobby Wagner, and Jamal Adams. That's it. Like, that, you know, how many players really are you like, oh, hell yeah, I love this guy in Seattle. And I think it's totally inappropriate the way Russ Wilson is expected to carry the roster and carry this team in Seattle. By the way, even with Russ playing, they still lost to Taylor Heineke and Washington. They still lost to the Bears with Nick Foles at quarterback. Like, don't tell me, oh, we're such a good team. You, again, you lost to the Bears with Nick Foles. I, I, sorry, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that convinced. And to me, the point is made that having a couple talented players does not mean you have a good football team. 
And uh, I think actually instead of attacking people like me who are critical of their team, Seattle fans need to use their energy to demand better from the front office. Like if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm like, hey, guys, why are we yelling at this guy? Can we yell at our front office and say, hey, can we finally build an offensive line? Can we build a defensive line? Seattle has a Hall of Fame quarterback, Russell Wilson, and it feels like their fan base takes him for granted because they've been wasting the prime of his career. And I don't know how you can defend that. Like, if you really love something, what you should do is demand more from it. I I always say all the time, like, one of my favorite companies is Nintendo, and uh, they made this game console called the the Wii U that was awful. Like, I'm not buying this garbage. I love Nintendo games. I love Mario. I love Zelda. I love all this stuff. I love Metroid. But I'm like, I'm not buying this piece of crap. Like, I'm going to vote with my wallet, and because I believe in them because I want good from Nintendo, I'm not going to support them when they do bad stuff. How can you support what's going on in Seattle? Again, you're, if you're a Seahawks fan, maybe once in your lifetime, you're going to have a quarterback like Russell Wilson lead your football team. And you're wasting the best years of his career. I don't even know how like that's debatable. You got Russ at quarterback. You should not have a losing record. You shouldn't be last in your division. Sure, the NFC West is loaded, but hey, Seattle has the best quarterback in the division. And then also the worst football team. Demand more from your football team. That's what I'm saying here. You got to demand more from your organization, Seattle fans. And by the way, what if you lost Russ? What would you have then? I was totally right about the 2021 Seattle Seahawks. The point isn't to get it. I mean, like, yeah, I'd love to be like, hey, I predicted 7-10. and 10, They went 7-10. and 10. I, I, 6 and 11. The point is that they're a bad football team. They had a bad year. And I, if anything, if the silver lining uh, is anything in Seattle this year, it's that maybe, hopefully, changes are coming. And uh, I, I think they're going to hold on to Russell Wilson. They so far have decided to not fire Pete Carroll. You know, Black Monday came and went. It's been a week now. It's like, well, yeah, it seems like you're just going to stick with him, which is interesting and exciting to me. Uh, I don't think Pete Carroll overnight suddenly became a bad football coach, right? They just need to build a better roster. And the most important thing, build the offensive line and build the defensive line. You win football games up front at the line of scrimmage. And, uh, man, you know, by the way, like having a weaker secondary gets massively helped by having a good defensive line that gets pressure on a quarterback. Because if you're getting pressure on a quarterback with a four-man rush, they got to get the ball out of their hands very, very quickly. And, unfortunately... I don't know the path to building a good defensive line in Seattle. I don't know the path to really bolstering their offensive line. But something has to change. And hopefully this bad year in Seattle, 7-10, and 10, is the kind of wake-up call that's needed in Seattle for them to go, oh, yeah, we shouldn't be going 7-10. and 10. We shouldn't be last in our division. we got to make changes to our roster so that we don't waste the best years of Russell Wilson's career. All right. Uh, Let's shift gears to Detroit. I predicted that the Detroit Lions would go 3-14 in 2020 and uh, 2021, excuse me. And uh, I basically nailed it. The reality is that Detroit went 3-13-1. So I didn't predict the tie, which if I had had the foresight, I'm never going to predict a tie. So I basically nailed it. And... uh, in spite of getting the win-loss record basically right on point, I did dramatically change my opinion on 
Lions quarterback Jared Goff this year. We'll circle back to that. Uh, but going into the year, I felt actually kind of bad predicting a three-win season for Detroit because I really like the coaching staff. I like what they're doing. I like the direction that this franchise is headed. Uh, I love Anthony Lynn, their offensive coordinator. Again, the direction in general the Lions are headed. Uh, I loved and still do love their new head coach, Dan Campbell. Uh, I'm a big fan of the guy. He's got, you know, he started off his career in Detroit with that quote, we're going to bite off kneecaps. And people attacked him and made fun of him for that. I said, look, what's the crime this guy's really committed? He got really passionate talking about football. And don't you kind of love that from your head coach? Yeah, was it a weird, goofy quote? I don't really care. Like, it's not like he did anything wrong or committed a crime. It's a guy who, Dan Campbell has a ton of passion, and it shows in the way he talks about things. And I... My gosh, I would love to play for a coach like him. He's really just fully invested, and I'm rooting for him. Look, Detroit was actually competitive this year. And how many people, by the way, how many coaches in the NFL not only would choose Detroit but want to be in Detroit, like Detroit, like Dan Campbell's a special guy. I love what he's doing there. And, uh, again, Detroit, they were very, very competitive. They they won three games, but they were a lot better than their record would show. They actually, week two, led the Packers 17-14 to at halftime. Um, they lost three games on last second field goals, Baltimore, Minnesota, Chicago, all, you know, two of those games, they lost 19 to 17. One of them, they lost literally on Thanksgiving day on another last second field goal. They lost to the Browns seven or 13 to 10. They lost to Atlanta 20 to 16. They tied Pittsburgh, a playoff team. The Detroit Lions were so close to winning so many times last year in 2021. And uh, they actually won three of their last six games. Uh, And for me, like the highlight of the year, the big turning point for the Detroit Lions last year was week 15 against Arizona, where everything finally came together. You know, Detroit beat Arizona 30 to 12. Jared Goff, their quarterback, was 21 for 26 passing, 216 yards, three touchdowns. Craig Reynolds, their running back, had 26 carries for 112 yards. And the defense held the potent Cardinals offense to only 12 points all game long. And this was the first time watching Detroit beat Arizona was the first time I considered the possibility of Detroit maybe sticking with Jared Goff at quarterback and building around him. Jared Goff is not the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not going to pretend that. No one believes that. But he's more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's got a better arm. He's he's not really physically limited at all. He's got a—I mean, he can't run, but he's got a beautiful, really strong arm. And he's made some good throws. I thought he showed he could play towards the end of the year. Go watch some of the throws down the stretch. You're like, hey, Jared Goff is playing at a really high level those final six games of the year. And I thought that Jared Goff showed he can play. And remember, he's really expensive to replace. And basically, I think, in a, you know, even though he's not like a top five quarterback, he's maybe a top 16. He's definitely like middle of the road to – He's better than he is bad, if that makes any sense. And uh, I think Detroit might be better off just building around him and saying, hey, you know, we got Amon Ross St. Brown, the rookie receiver from USC last year, who was the Lions' leading receiver. He had 90 catches for five touchdowns and 912 yards. Next year, they're going to get tight end TJ Hawkins back from injury. Jeff Okuda's coming back. They, you know, they have two first-round picks in 2022. They got the number two overall pick, plus wherever the Rams pick ends up drafting at the end of the first round. I believe Detroit has this unique opportunity to, look, Jared Goff isn't perfect. I don't love the guy, but he's hard to replace. He's really expensive. And 
I would really like to see what Jared Goff can do if you really commit to him and build around him and build a great football team around him. Because he's good enough that if you do build around him, I expect, you know, I expect he will get better and better. And I think winning is possible in Detroit with him. And um, I don't know. It's kind of weird to feel good about a team after they went 3-13-1. Like, normally I'd say, oh, a three-win season? Awful. But I really like the direction that Detroit is headed. They were very competitive this year. They, Man, they lost a lot of games. They had a chance to win, which sounds bad, but it's actually kind of a blessing in disguise. I'm glad they lost a lot of, um, you know, meaningless games because it allowed them to now get the number two overall pick. And I love their head coach, Dan Campbell. I like, I don't love, but I like their quarterback, Jared Goff. He's solid. He could be much worse. Jared Goff could be, he's not awful. And really what you want to avoid is you don't want an awful quarterback. You want someone who can win and play well. And we know we've seen Jared Goff play well. And if they can get the best out of him, the best out of Jared Goff isn't bad. And maybe I'm trying to convince myself. I don't know. Um, But I, I think Detroit has got this unique position to build their roster with, Good graphics coming up, and I don't know, man. I thought for the longest time, I was like, draft Malik Willis, build, you know, but I think, honestly, the best move for Detroit right now is build around Jared Goff. He's so expensive to get rid of, and he's good enough that I'm like, look, I'm, I'm here for it. Let's see it happen. Let's see Detroit invest in Jared Goff, build around him, and I feel weirdly optimistic about the Detroit Lions, and I normally would not feel good about a team after they had a 3-13 and and one season, but um, the Lions, man, the direction they're headed is really compelling, and um, I'm actually very excited for the future in Detroit. I'm so very much rooting for Dan Campbell. Like, I remember before the Cleveland Browns won a playoff game, they were the team that was like the little engine that could, that I was just like, man, can can Detroit, or sorry, can, can Cleveland please, for the love of anything, figure out how to be good and win a playoff game? Then they won a playoff game, and all my energy towards hoping Cleveland could be good again, kind of got evaporated. I'm like, well, hey, they had their moment. And all that energy wanting, you know, the little engine that could in Cleveland to do well, all that energy wanting a bad team to turn good is now shifted for Detroit to me, where I'm like, can Detroit please figure it out? It's been so long, and uh, I really, really want to see the Detroit Lions be good and and make it work. And I think, in my mind, the way to do that is to keep building your football team, build your offensive line, build your defensive line, and invest in Jared Goff's career, build around Jared Goff and see if you can win with him. Because I truly believe that if you can build a great football team around him, continue to give him good coaching, the best out of Jared Goff is pretty dang good. And that is achievable. So uh, I feel optimistic in a weird way about the Detroit Lions. All right. um... (sighs) Man, this this one's going to be fun. Let's talk about the Giants. For the New York Giants, 2021 was a bad year, but a necessary and important bad year. Where So I predicted the Giants would go 4-13 and in 2021, and that is exactly what happened. I nailed it. The reality is that the New York Giants went exactly 4-13 and in 2021. And during my prediction segment, I rambled on and on and on about how I hated the way this football team was built because the Giants had a bad offensive line and a bad quarterback. And my main problem with the Giants was I said, hopefully after this year, Dave Gettleman will no longer be the Giants general manager. And uh, hey, that's what happened. The Giants fired their head coach, Joe Judge, and their GM, Dave Gettleman, was allowed to 
retire. They let him leave in a respectful way. Instead of firing him, they let him leave with dignity. Now, they actually just fi- uh, they actually just hired they actually just hired a new GM with the New York Giants, uh, Joe Schoen, who was the assistant GM in Buffalo. And look, 2021 was an embarrassing year for Giants fans. Their offense was second to last in the NFL. Their defense was actually, like, not terrible. They were mediocre. And given how bad the offense was, I thought the Giants defense played pretty well. And if you looked at one side of the football and said, hey, that, that was, you know, there's a lot of things to feel good about on the defensive side of the football for the Giants. Now, the big problem in New York, not on the offensive line, but the quarterback. You know, the Giants had three different quarterbacks start for them this year. Mike Glennon, Daniel Jones, and Jake Fromm. Those three quarterbacks combined to throw 15 touchdown passes and 20 interceptions in 2021. In basically every game this year, the other team had a better quarterback than the Giants in 2021. And and again, while it was a painful year last year, you know, this past year, whatever you want to call it, it did lead to changes in New York. And so getting a new GM, having a new coach on the way, probably getting a new quarterback to replace Daniel Jones. And whatever that looks like, whether you, you know, trade your fifth and seventh overall pick for a guy like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, or you draft somebody, maybe Malik Willis, or you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and draft Malik Willis, whatever you do there. I think there's a lot of options at quarterback for the New York Giants other than Daniel Jones. I would keep Daniel Jones. Hey, why not bring him in, let him compete in training camp? Uh, But, Man, you know, the Giants have a ways to go, but I think when I look back on 2021 for the New York Giants, it will be a year that I hope their fan base is always grateful for because it finally pushed ownership to make a change and say, hey, we can't be stagnant anymore. We got to get a new GM. We got to get a new coach. We got to get a new quarterback. We have to make changes, and if we don't, we're never going to win. I don't know what happened because there was a report where, you know, Giants ownership put out, you know, they basically there was a rumor saying, yeah, we're going to keep the coach. We're going to keep the quarterback. We're not going to do anything. And people revolted. I was so angry. I was like, they're just going to do nothing. Are you kidding me? And I don't know if it's Miami firing Brian Flores, because they made their decision pretty late to fire Joe Judge. I don't know what happened, but oh my gosh, you know, looking back on 2021 for the Giants, the worst moment for me was when they ran a quarterback sneak on third and nine from their own four yard line. And you're like, did that just happen? What are they doing? It, it was such a weird moment of a lack of anything. I don't know what I, I, that's by far, in my opinion, the worst moment of the Giants season in 2021. It kind of a microcosm of what happened. A quarterback sneak on third and nine. Final game of the year with Jake Fromm. I'm curious. Please write in. What were the best and worst moments in your Giant fandom this year, this past year in 2021? Um, I'm curious what Giants fans will have to say. New York sports fans are, oh my gosh, I love you guys. It's my, I think it's my favorite like group of humans in the sports world. You guys are passionate. You guys are angry um, and truly one of a kind. Like nobody hates the New York Giants quite like a New York Giants fan. And nobody loves a team like you guys. And I, my gosh, I, I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm glad that I'm not a Giants fan, but I love covering the Giants because there is so much care and passion with this fan base. And I just, I, I want to know like, hey, how do you feel about the moves? What's happening here? Um, I, I will always look back on this year and say, hallelujah, this is the year that finally the Giants ownership said, no more. We got to make a change and make stuff happen because we are tired of being just a mediocre franchise in the NFL. And uh, for that, it's kind of like, 
hate to make this reference. I was watching Pete Davidson last night talking about Ariana Grande, and he was talking about how, you know, there's that song, Thank You Next, where she goes, for Pete, I'm so thankful, like whatever. And uh, she goes, like, I'm thankful for my ex, right? It's looking back on how even though the past stuff may not have all been good, it really shaped who you are. I think that's exactly how. The same way Ariana Grande looks back on Pete Davidson in the song, Thank You Next. What is this show? What's happening? I think that's exactly how Giants fans will feel about the 2021 season. It's a year that was very negative, but it was a necessary year of growth that I think was the only way forward for Giants fans to possibly be the catalyst to make changes happen. And for that, I will always be grateful for the 2021 season for the New York Giants. A painful one, a bad one, a horrible, ugly one but a necessary one in order for change to happen for the New York Giants. Man, I just made a thank you next reference, and I listened to that song for the first time ever. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'd heard it before, but I didn't really know the song till last night. I was like, I was watching a Pete Davidson rant. He was talking to Ariana Grande, and my gosh, Pete Davidson is so respectful. He was talking to Ariana and ending their relationship, but he goes, hey, don't clap. Clapping makes it feel like you like, agree, and it's some weird like, you know, rap you know, what's the rap feud stuff? He's like, just laugh at the jokes. We're having a good time, but don't clap like you agree. Just laugh at it. We're having fun here. I thought that was really a weird, respectful moment and a lot of self-awareness from Pete Davidson who, I don't know. I don't know how you could possibly hate Pete Davidson. I just really like, oh my gosh, what an interesting, weird, awesome MFR. Um, it's time for Ask Zach. In case you do not know what that is, it's where I... It's my favorite part of the show, which I read questions from the audience on Patreon. In case you do not know how it works, go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. Please do. Uh, you can give more if you want to. It literally helps pay my rent. A dollar a month, hey, it's, that's $12 a year. I, I hope you can afford that. I think everyone can afford that. I intentionally made it very accessible for people to both support the show and get a perk by submitting questions to the show. Now, a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is that I look at every single write-in with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple to read on the show. Question number one today, uh, I'm going to read two in a row to start. So David and Patrick both wrote in about a similar topic. Rather than um, pick one, I just, I'll read both because I think I have a slightly different angle. It's worth reading. David says, and by the way, a lot of people wrote in about this, but these were the two that I thought were the most interesting to respond to. David said, hey, Zach, how safe do you think Daniel Jones' career is after the Giants made changes at the GM and head coaching position? Will it depend on if they can get an offensive-minded head coach that will try to develop Daniel Jones? Or do you think that the Giants will try to go for a different quarterback? Which available current quarterback or upcoming draftees do you think would work in New York? So that's David. And then Patrick says, hi, Zach. Do you think the Giants should give Daniel Jones one more shot at becoming their franchise quarterback under a new coach, or should they move on now and develop someone new? And who could that be? So what will happen to Daniel Jones? If not Daniel Jones, what should they do at quarterback? I would keep Daniel Jones in the organization. I don't see any reason to like completely get rid of him. Keep him. Let him compete in camp. If you know, Maybe he does work. I don't know. But you have to get a multi, uh, you know, another option, I think, to compete against Daniel Jones in training camp. And uh, you, you got the number five and the number seven overall pick. Maybe you can trade both of them for a quarterback like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. That's the dream scenario. Getting a, you know, as much as Deshaun Watson off the field very much disturbs me. Um, 
he's an amazing quarterback. And if you can make that trade, I uh, I don't like that, but that sounds like a, a very beneficial trade for the Giants, assuming that the legal stuff can work out. Uh, another great option, I think the one that no one's talking about is trading for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo appears to be available. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy who... He's better than anything the Giants have put at quarterback in quite a while. Uh, better than Daniel Jones for sure. And if you you know traded for Jimmy Garoppolo and then drafted a guy like Malik Willis, number five overall, you've got a quarterback who's very solid for a while. He can be your franchise starting quarterback for a year or two, and then you got this really raw, exciting, young, talented young guy, Malik Willis, who can. There's no pressure. He's got Jimmy Garoppolo there. There's no hurry. He can develop at his own pace. And whenever he's ready, you can eventually put Malik Willis in at quarterback. And maybe another option is trade for Tyrod Taylor, a guy who Tyrod Taylor is either a bottom-tier starter in the NFL or a really good backup. He's kind of that perfect bridge quarterback who can be your guy for a year or two while a young guy develops. And um, I like Malik Willis more than I like Matt Corral. I think Malik Willis is the most talented quarterback in the NFL draft. He's my favorite guy. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft, I've learned from watching Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. And, you know, these guys who are incredibly physically gifted. That's the kind of person I want to coach. I'm like, hey, look, I love the person he is. I like his work ethic. And he can do stuff with a football that other quarterbacks in this draft class simply cannot do. So if I am a Giants fan, I am lobbying for my team to draft Malik Willis, the quarterback, out of Liberty. Get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo to mentor him, plus a young guy. That's what I would do with the Giants quarterback situation. But I see no reason to get rid of Daniel Jones. Let him compete in camp. Bring him in. Um, and you know, another option, as weird as this is, is I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitchell Trubisky. There's a couple veteran quarterbacks out there who are, I, at this point, I think Trubisky would be better than Daniel Jones. So I maybe that's just how low an opinion I have of Daniel Jones. But I, I really want to see them make some kind of move at quarterback. And at minimum, at minimum, Bring in a Tyrod Taylor, a Daniel Jones, or sorry, a, da- a Tyrod Taylor, a Mitchell Trubisky, or a Jimmy Garoppolo, someone to compete with Daniel Jones in training camp. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is an instant upgrade at quarterback for the New York Giants next year. Hamburglar writes in, I love that name, says, Hi, Zach. If I recall correctly, you nailed your Seattle win-loss prediction. Do you think they will or should run it back with Pete and Russ? If so, what can make them competitive for a playoff spot? Looking back instead of forward, what do you think was one bright spot for this season for each of these teams? Something that fans could feel good about and hope to see more of next year. So we'll do, I'll answer both those actually. Um, Pete Carroll. So obviously Russell Wilson's amazing. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's like outstanding. Now, Pete Carroll did not suddenly overnight become an awful football coach. Like Pete is a good football coach. He needs a good team to coach though. And really, in my opinion, number one priority in Seattle is to build your offensive line. It is a shame and a disgrace to have a Hall of Fame quarterback like Russ and not have a good offensive line. Like it, it cannot happen. You're wasting the best years of his career. I've been saying it for years and years and years. But then after you fix the offensive line, the next move, the way to really bolster your defense is to build your defensive line, something that's not been good for a long time in Seattle. It makes your secondary way better if you can get after the quarterback with a four-man rush. And uh, so, look, I, I think rather than... I don't know that firing Pete Carroll is the answer, but you've got to build your football team. Like, you, It's not about coaching as much as it is the front office moves have to be better. You have to build a good roster in Seattle, and if you don't do that, P. 
Pete Carroll is never going to win with this football team. Um, now, the Lions, Panthers, Seattle, and New York Giants. What's something positive from each of their seasons I can think of? For the Lions, they got the number two overall pick. Good for them. That's awesome. Uh, for the Panthers, <laughs> I think nothing, man. I I can't think of anything good about the, the, the Carolina Panthers year last year. They, you know, may, maybe C.G. Henderson was a trade that'll work out. They got a number nine overall pick. I mean, their, their first round pick got hurt. Their franchise quarterback, Sam Darnold, didn't pan out. They fired their offensive coordinator. They were 5-12. and 12. They were horrible. Like, I don't think anything I, – I wish I could think of a silver lining in Carolina, but I really can't. I, I lost all faith in what's going on in Carolina. For Seattle, silver lining. They still have Russell Wilson. Good for them. And for the Giants, like, they do have two top 10 picks. Plus, hey, changes are coming. If anything, like, the silver lining for the Giants fans is that, um, for once, finally, they're making moves and making changes to get better as a football team. And that feels like – Manna from heaven if you are a New York Giants fan. Sean writes in, he says, man, your initial Seattle Seahawks prediction that upset so many people was only one game off. Booyah! I think I nailed it, man. Uh, It wasn't about the win-loss record so much as it is. This is a bad football team. And uh, I will never understand all the anger and vitriol from people like, and look, I get it. It comes with the territory. It's part of my job. If you put stuff publicly out there, people are going to, uh, crap all over you, right? But I, I'm so glad. You know, it's really easy to let criticism and anger roll right off your back when you're talking about a football team. I can't imagine if I talked about real world issues and was talking about politics or, like, you know, think of anything actually meaningful in the world. Like football is, is an escape; it's entertainment. If you want to be mad at me and and really really attack me on social media because I said something about entertainment about football. I can live with that. What I really would have a hard time with, I think, is people being super angry with me talking about stuff I like really, like life change or like something like deeply meaningful. Um, and that would be a lot harder for me. So, like, I could never do <sighs> politics, man. Oh, my gosh. I think, I think actually people are more negative in football because they think it doesn't matter. There's kind of this level of, who cares? Let's just crap all over this guy on YouTube. Like, I think there is kind of that, but I don't, I don't know. It's pretty easy to swallow when you're talking about football. Carter writes in and says, for the Lions, what was the best? Sorry. Carter says, for the Lions, was this the best year possible? The team fought hard every game, kept games close that probably shouldn't have been close, beat a playoff team, tied another team, and still came away with the number two overall pick. They actually beat two playoff teams, but Jordan Love played quarterback the second half, so it doesn't count. Um... Yeah, I, I thought Detroit showed promise. They were competitive. They were close. They almost won a couple games. And they lost some meaningless games that if they'd won those games, wouldn't have mattered. They would have, like, a mediocre pick. But by losing those close games, being competitive and not winning, it led to them getting a number two overall pick out of it. So another really good opportunity to keep building their football team. Carter, I think it worked out perfectly for Detroit, which is weird to say, but I, um, I'm excited about the, the future of the Detroit Lions moving forward. Raphael writes in and says, Hey, Zach, question about the Giants, but that could be asked about most teams discussed today. Which core championship caliber players do you believe the Giants have on the roster right now, if any? I struggle to think of one. I agree with their statement that you seem liberated since you canceled your engagement. It shows on screen. Wish you the best. Um, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm really excited. I don't know the roster that well with the Giants, but I picked 10 players that I, I would... 
If I was a general manager in New York, I'd be like, I like these 10 players. I'm going to keep them and build around them. Um, number one is Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, the running back. He, a lot of people are like, oh, Saquon's terribly had a bad year. I think a Saquon Barkley draft pick, by the way, horrible. They should never have drafted Saquon Barkley number two overall when they did. Awful pick. But he's still a good player. What happened last year? He was coming off of an injury and had a bad offensive line. If you're a running back and you have a bad offensive line, you're not going to do well. That's why I criticize drafting him when you did, because he's a player who's dependent on other people to succeed. But Saquon's still a very, very talented player, and uh, you know he'll be two years removed from his injury next year, and that's going to be awesome. I think he's going to have a good year next year, and I like Saquon Barkley. Uh, Kadarius Toney at receiver. Awesome, explosive, young guy. really like him. Uh, safety Xavier McKinney is awesome. I like him. I also like Logan Ryan. Like The Giants have two really good, exciting safeties. Um, linebacker Aziz Ojolari, um is an awesome. He was an awesome rookie last year. I believe out of Georgia had some good stuff. Uh, Ojolari, Aziz Ojolari. Uh, there's another linebacker like Tay Crowder. He led the team in tackles. He's awesome. I keep him and build around him. Uh, defensive end Leonard Williams is a little bit overpaid in my opinion, but he's still a good player. I keep him. Uh, Sterling Shepard at receiver, awesome. Uh, corner Adoree Jackson, I like him. I see that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, and then left tackle Andrew Thomas. I thought had a, I thought he finished the year well and uh, is starting to really, despite his slow start to his career, is finally starting to show promise. And I like Andrew Thomas, the left tackle. So I think most of the good stuff is on the Giants' defense. But I think you got a good running back, you got two good receivers, you got a um, two good safeties, a good corner, good linebackers, a D end. I. I don't think the Giants are that far, especially on defense. I'm having a good defense. If they hire a guy like Brian Flores, like, oh, my gosh, this team could be good pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, Raphael, you're being – I love you, man. You're a bit dramatic to say I can't think of anything good to keep on the Giants roster. Like, they have at least 10 good players that I would build around and keep. And um, I I don't know. I want to see them get a good coach that can really take advantage of those players on defense because they've got some talent there, man. They really do. Um but for the love of God, I mean, they just need a quarterback so badly. And where is Brian Flores going to end up? Is he going to be head coach again? That's what I want to know. Is Brian Flores going to be head coach again immediately next year? That would be very, very interesting. Final question of the day. Nathan writes in and says, Dan Campbell has to be one of my favorite coaches. His attitude is awesome. He ran the team pretty well, even though they went 3-13-1 and, and had a pretty bad roster. And kept the spirits alive in Detroit. Do you think Campbell will have a good career? Do you think it could be Jim Caldwell? How long do you think Campbell will keep Jared Goff? Also, do you think Dan Campbell was the best rookie coach this year? Keep up the good work, Zach. Uh, was he the best rookie coach? Look, Nick Sirianni made the playoffs in Philadelphia in year one. It's hard to like say that Dan Campbell was better than that when Dan Campbell went 3-13-1. But Dan Campbell, I love the guy. Um, he actually likes Detroit. And to have a coach in Detroit that wants to be there and chose them and invests in them, awesome. I love that for the city. Will Detroit ownership screw him over? As you put it, Jim Caldwell him. Who knows? I hope not. But do you really trust ownership in Detroit? I don't. Um, Dan Campbell is one of the most positive things in a long time. He's a coach that players want to play for. They like him. They fit hard for him. So I I love Dan Campbell. I'm rooting for him. Um, And I feel good about his future. But it's hard to know how... um, much support he's going to get from the ownership in Detroit. I'm rooting for him, though, and uh, I'm very, very excited for his future in Detroit. 
All right, guys. Uh, it is now time to transition to something I recorded earlier. I was wearing the same shirt, so it should be a little bit seamless. But let's now shift gears to a weekend preview and talk about the NFL division around of the playoffs. Enjoy that segment now. This weekend is the division around of the NFL playoffs. I believe it is going to be an amazing, amazing weekend. Now, uh, let's be very honest here. I don't have any predictions to make. It's kind of weird. Um, you know, I I sat down with a piece of paper. I guess, you know, a pad of paper, you know, a composition notebook. And I sat down. I was like, who do I think is going to win every game this weekend? Making, you know, my normal process for predictions. And I'm like, I have no idea. And I, and I sat there and I sat there and it took – I wrote a bunch of stuff and I was like – I still don't have any idea. And a day went by, and I literally – I cleaned my entire apartment kind of putting off like, oh, if I, if I start cleaning, it'll come to me and I'll figure it out. And I still I – I cleaned the whole apartment. I'm like, I still have no idea who's going to win these four football games. I've got a lot of respect for every single team here. So on Saturday, the Bengals play at Tennessee, and the 49ers play at Green Bay. And on Sunday, the Rams play at Tampa, and the Bills play at Kansas City. And uh, in my opinion, these are probably the best matchups all year. You know, I guess all season of this football season, I think it's going to be an amazing weekend of football. And rather than share who I think is going to win, I'm going to tell you who I want to win. And not because I love one team and hate the other. It's more because of the outcomes of what it could lead to and what the victors this weekend and how they could set up next weekend in the AFC and NFC division titles, the championship games going into the Super Bowl. So the Bengals play at the Titans, and I go, look, I love Cincinnati. I'm rooting for Cincinnati. I'm not going to lie. Now, I don't hate Tennessee, but I love Joe Burrow. I love the Bengals. love what's going on in Cincinnati. And the reality is I could see a reality where Tennessee runs all over Cincinnati and they get destroyed because Derrick Henry and the running game of the Titans is dominating. I could also see a reality where Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and you know, Tyler Boyd, just go crazy and dominate the Titans. So I think it's going to be a very weird game in, t- in Tennessee where the Bengals throw the ball very, very well. Cincinnati runs the ball very, very well. I think both defenses are pretty similarly matched. I think Cincinnati's got a better quarterback. The Titans have a better coach. It's a weird matchup. I'm going to pick Cincinnati. I want it. Pick is the wrong word there. I want Cincinnati to win because when I look ahead at the AFC championship game, whether it's Buffalo or Kansas City that wins on Sunday, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, which quarterback do I want to play against either one of those guys? I want Joe Burrow against Josh Allen or Joe Burrow against Patrick Mahomes. That sounds like a lot of fun to watch. And so I find myself rooting for Cincinnati on Saturday in game number one of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. How about the 49ers at the Packers? So every single game this weekend, all four, I feel really conflicted on. This is probably the one game I feel the strongest about, which is I I very much believe that the Green Bay Packers are going to win this football game. They've got a better roster. They've got a much, much better quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is way better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Nobody's going to argue that. Nobody's going to debate that. Um, And even though the game's in Green Bay, I I still feel a lot of pause because let's look at history. In 2019, the 49ers beat the Packers two times. And in 2018, the 49ers lost 33-30 to with a backup quarterback uh, playing the Packers. Like, historically, the 49ers play the Packers very, very well. So I'm like, hey, what's going to happen here? I, don't, I, I could see it going either way. I very much believe the Packers are going to win this game, but I, I'm not going to count out the 49ers completely because I respect what they've done this year. They're, they deserve to be here. They worked very hard. They won a lot of games. They beat a lot of teams to get here. Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo, for all his problems, right? I, Jimmy G has made some bad throws and, and done some bad stuff this year. 
but he's also made some good throws. And at certain critical moments, he's played very well. So I'm, I'm like, I, I really don't know. I, I, I think that nine out of the, maybe eight out of the ten times, the Packers beat the 49ers. But there always is a shot the 49ers could beat Green Bay. And I want the Packers to win because the optimal outcome for the NFC title game, in my opinion, I really, really, really want Tom Brady to play against Aaron Rodgers in the NFC championship game. But think about this for a second. So on Sunday, the Rams play at Tampa. Here are the potential quarterback matchups for the NFC championship game. They're kind of wild. You have either Aaron Rodgers against Matthew Stafford. Two, you know, Matthew Stafford's a former Lions quarterback playing against a quarterback who's played a lot and lost to Aaron Rodgers. Or you could have Jimmy Garoppolo. If the 49ers win and Tampa wins, then you got Jimmy Garoppolo against his former mentor, Tom Brady. Imagine Tom Brady playing against his backup to get into the Super Bowl. That's crazy. That's fun. There's a good storyline there. Uh, if the Rams and 49ers both win, which would be, would be crazy, but that's possible, that would also be interesting. There's a lot of beef between these two teams, and they've played each other. This would be the third time the Rams and 49ers have played each other this year. And remember, in Week 18, the 49ers beat the Rams to get into the playoffs at all. And so, oh my gosh, it's great. Now, to me, the, the best possible outcome is Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers, these two Hall of Fame legendary quarterbacks duking it out to get into the Super Bowl. But... Um, so like I'm rooting for Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, not because I hate the 49ers and I hate the Rams. I think the Rams are going to really, really compete with Tampa. I think the Rams have, man, Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, like they have people that could make Tom Brady's life hell, frankly. I mean, you got an injured offensive line potentially in Tampa against a really, really good Rams defensive line and Jalen Ramsey, who could probably, I would not be shocked if Jalen Ramsey just followed Mike Evans around all day. And I think it's very possible we see a lot of, you know, a struggling from Tampa's offense. How much do you trust Matthew Stafford? Matthew Stafford won a game where he was 13 for 17 last week and barely, you know, they, they ran the ball very, very heavily. They didn't throw the ball very much. If they have to throw the ball more in this game, which I think they're going to have to do because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the best run defense in the entire NFL. Do you trust Matthew Stafford to win the game with his arm against this really good Buccaneers defense? I think we're actually going to see a defensive battle between the Rams at Tampa. I want Tampa to win. Again, I want Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers, but I'm not going to commit to anything because I'm like, the only prediction I can make is I think both defenses are going to have a lot of success and some good plays. And I just, I'm letting you know, I I, I want Tom Brady to win because I want Tom Brady versus Rodgers, but it's nothing against the Rams. I got nothing but respect for the Rams and what they've done this year and uh, the team they've put together. And, you know, the Rams are fighting really hard to try to get to a Super Bowl. So they can play at home, potentially, assuming California doesn't. I, I don't think California is going to make it in the Alabama, but there is a possibility the Super Bowl could be moved to Texas if something happened with the Rona. But how crazy would it be to watch Matthew Stafford play against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay to get to go back home to L.A. to play in the Super Bowl? I mean, that's, that's a wild story right there. Now, Bills at Kansas City. In my opinion, this is the... Oh, my gosh. I think this is the best game of the weekend. Like, Sunday's games, you know, Saturday's got Cincinnati against Tennessee, which I think is good, but has a chance to, you know, one side could you know, blow it out the other, and I think Green Bay has a chance to blow out the 49ers, but these are two legendary historic football teams. Rams at Tampa, amazing matchup. And then Buffalo at Kansas City. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is a game that... If I could, I, I kind of wish this was the game to get into the Super Bowl in the AFC rather than, I think this might be a better game 
than the potential AFC championship game will be because these are probably the two best teams in the AFC playing against each other. I love Buffalo. I, I'm rooting for Buffalo. I Not because I hate Kansas City, but because I it, Buffalo is – they're kind of a new team back into you know the the playoffs and I, Kansas City's been here a lot and nothing against them. I just would really enjoy seeing Josh Allen compete for a shot to get into a Super Bowl or maybe even get to a Super Bowl. That sounds really fun to me. Um, now let's acknowledge something. Kansas City has a better quarterback. Like I love Josh Allen. He's elite. He's amazing. Patrick Mahomes is better. And they've got a better coach, Andy Reid or Sean McDermott. Andy Reid's a better head coach than Kansas City, so than than Bills head coach Sean McDermott. So KC has got a better coach and a better quarterback. And, and by the way, a quarterback Patrick Mahomes that is playing, I think, the best football of his career, which sounds crazy. Like he's had he's won MVPs, he's done amazing stuff. But right now, Patrick Mahomes is making really really good decisions and being very very smart with the football, and it blows my mind. And so. Man, I it's a toss-up, really. I think it's going to be an incredible matchup. Like, remember, this is a, a Buffalo team that scored on every single possession last time they had the football in their last playoff game against Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense. Like, this is not against any defense. And so, um, I don't know. I don't want to disrespect any team here. I think every single team here has the right to be here, has you know earned the right to be here, played very, very well all year. I want Cincinnati and... Buffalo to win because I want Josh Allen against Joe Burrow in the AFC championship game. That sounds really fun. Like just, oh my gosh, two young quarterbacks who are new to the scene. That sounds fun to me, but but we're probably going to get, knowing that hope, and because I disappointment seems to follow me everywhere, <laughs> not really. I mean, life's good, but uh, we'll, we'll probably get Mahomes versus Tennessee, but that sounds like the least interesting AFC championship game, and if it's I think Kansas City would handle Cincinnati a lot more easily than Cincinnati would compete with Buffalo. But um, I, I just I worry that if KC beats Buffalo, Kansas City is going to dominate Cincinnati or Tennessee. Whereas I think the Bills, not because they're not as good a team, but just because I think that I, for some reason I got a better feeling about that. And then I really want the Packers to play Tampa in the NFC Championship game because I really, really want Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers. And think about the possibilities here. We could get Aaron Rodgers against maybe the next Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow against A-Rod. We could get Tom Brady against Josh Allen in the Super Bowl. Like, the possibilities for the Super Bowl here are amazing. Um, but I, I really, truly believe this could be the best weekend of matchups all year in the NFL. And uh, I don't know. I hope you enjoy it. I, I, yeah, I'm not going to make it. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. That's what makes it beautiful, and I'm very, very excited to see how things play out this weekend in the NFC division round of the playoffs, or, you know, NFL division round of the playoffs, not NFC. Uh, I love you. I appreciate you. Enjoy football this weekend. It's going to be so much fun. And uh, if you're, I'm curious who you guys want to win. What's the best, most interesting matchup in your mind? Please write and let me know. I want to hear from you guys, and I want you guys to tell me what, who you want to win, who you think will win, and uh, feel free to write in with any kind of anger. Like, you'll, I'm sure... You know, Chiefs fans are like, you hate our team. You always pick against Kansas City. No, I just, I really want to see Buffalo. I, you know, Buffalo's never been here before. That sounds interesting to me. Um, I don't hate anybody, but I, I, I want Josh Allen against Joe Burrow and Brady against Rodgers. That sounds more fun to me. So, um, yeah, let me know who you want to win this weekend in the NFC, NFL divisional round of the playoffs. Guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. And, uh, but um, bum, bam, we are.